Hi everyone, Lucy Kippist here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and this episode of our podcast is brought to you by Flying Solo's brand new business class membership. It's your annual pass to great deals, discounts, tips and wisdom for building the business of your dreams. Plus, you get to be you get the opportunity to be a guest on this podcast all for just $165. Head to our website for details. Amber Danes is the founder of Bespoke Communications. A former journalist turned PR professional, Amber has worked in her industry for the past 23 years. She's coached hundreds of business heads and political leaders to become masters of media and public speaking engagements. And in the last two years, Amber has also worked on two intense crisis communication processes. Firstly, with AMP during the Royal Commission into Misconduct into the Banking, Superannuation and Financial Service Industry. And she then went on to consult to the New South Wales Government during one of our worst droughts on record. She joins our Flying Solo podcast today to share some of these insights in the context of being a sole trader and living through a crisis. Welcome to the podcast, Amber. It's great to have you here. Likewise, I'm very excited to get stuck into this topic. Excellent. Very timely. Um, First of all, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about your business. Why did you decide to work for yourself? Bespoke Communications began in late 2007 by fluke. I actually was working full time in a marketing and sponsorship job for an arts organisation. And I'd actually gone away and studied a master's for a few years while I was working in public relations um, to really focus my energy into something a little bit different. And I'd always loved the creative arts. And so I'd done this master's in philanthropy and marketing, got this job. And after a few years into it, realised I actually didn't want to be there forever. I'd sort of done all this work to do something different. And I really missed being just in pure comms. So I'd spent some time previously as a print journalist and a TV journalist working in Australia and overseas. I'd been in a few agencies, big big and small, and this was all by 29. And I just thought, what am I going to do next? So in one of those really kind of last minute things, I just went, you know what, I'm just going to freelance over the summer and see what happens. And that's really how Bespoke Communications began. Amazing. And what, what is it that you love the most about being a sole trader? I think it's just the flexibility to run your own show at your own pace. And and for me, when I started, uh, you know, 13, 14 years ago, I didn't have kids yet. I was newly married. I had a lot, lot more time on my hands, but I kind of could see the benefits of having that flexibility even before everyone else was working at home like they are now. Mm. But since that time, I've had a couple of kids and now seven and 11, and I've always worked with them also being around. So I've never really stopped And I love the fact you can dial it up or dial it down depending on what other commitments and other things you have happening in your life. Absolutely. That the lifestyle element of running your own business when you get the balance right is is terrific. And also I know feedback from our the rest of our community is that oftentimes that will change. And as you said yourself, like when you started, you didn't have kids, now you've got kids and that changes things. And I'm sure as time goes on and they get older, that will change as well. Um, What aspect do you think is probably the most challenging of running your everything yourself? I really love the idea that, you know, you can say yes and no to things as they come in. And I'm such a go-getter and I thrive best when I've got lots going on and there's lots of deadlines. I think it's the old journalist in me kind of coming <laughs> to the fore. Yeah. But I definitely think the biggest challenge when you start out is the cash flow. Cash flow is king and clients 
clients come and go and it can be feast and famine for, for many years when you're freelancing. And so you either, either got too much on or not enough and you're hustling and you're trying to get work, but that doesn't pay the mortgage. So I think it's about finding the right kind of clients, working out the cash flow aspect and, and having some business planning expertise brought into your business. So that whether that be finding a coach or working with, you know, different, different people who are experts in their field to help you have multiple income streams mm. really will change the way which um, your business can sort of go from something which is up and down to much more steady. And my first question in a normal situation would be to ask you, you know, do you look at that year to year and find patterns of where, you know, times in the year that you are consistently busy? Because for someone like you having a business, you know, over slightly over the 10 year mark, there is obviously some patterns. But I guess in the context of our discussion for today, when there's been a crisis, so something you've never been able to plan for and, and none of us have been able to plan for, what do you think is the first most important action point for change? I think the best place to start is what you do best and what you're known for. So I know for me uh, a few months ago when obviously my cash flow suddenly uh, went from hero to almost zero, especially with media training, all face-to-face -face training was actually canned uh, all within a matter of three days. Like that was six to 12 months worth of bookings of really big regular clients and some smaller businesses, which got me in once a year. I actually had to sit down and go, what can I still do? What can I still offer that can actually allow the cash flow? What does that look like? And then go back to those clients. Um, I think the relationships you form in your business are the key to tapping into whatever you need, if that makes sense. So not being afraid to ask and say, look, I, I'm able to do online training. I'm versatile. If you, you know, when you're comfortable, you, you're happy to rebook six months in advance. So actually using those relationships you've formed and all those hard yards and also letting people in your network know that you're now doing something different or that you're able to perhaps offer a special package or something that you would never normally offer so that you're sort of part of the Team Australia theory, as well as actually keeping that cash flow coming. Mm, that's a great idea. And I guess by the, on the other side of that coin, what do you think are, are, are processes that we should be holding on to or protecting? So as much as we're getting creative with our business solutions and offerings to our clients, are there anything that we should stay consist, sorry, consistently true to? Look, I think it's up to the individual. And I know from my experience, I am still pretty firm on not over-servicing. Um, so making sure if I say, look, I could offer, offer this two-hour Zoom uh, presentation skills training session or a crisis comms consult uh, for 30 minutes for this particular price point, that I'm actually sticking to that. So trying to add value but not over-servicing is one of my really big values because I think early on I did that and I pretty much burnt out at the five-year mark into my business. Mm. So just making sure that you're really, you're really able to match that and also protecting your energy levels at this time because it's very easy to be scrambling, to be stressed and to be not eating well or exercising or taking time for yourself. Yeah. Now for someone, um, again, who's had an established business like you, that's probably an easier decision to make in some ways because you know how you feel on a day-to-day -day basis. So for those of us in a newer business and we're faced with this crisis and we're not terribly sure how our health and well-being are being impacted because we're so busy trying to just stay afloat, how important do you think it is to apply a process to that, to your health and well-being I think it's equally important, if not more important. And I think you don't want to wait till you fall over. You don't want to wait till you get the flu. And of course, this pandemic has a health risk to it. So if you're run down, you have a higher chance of probably getting 
uh, COVID or perhaps something else. So I think it's about making sure that you block out time in your day that could be you know, a bit of reading, it could be uh, a bit of cooking if you find that um, de-stressing. I don't, I actually dislike cooking um, generally. <laughs> um, but and, or exercising and just walking in the sun or calling a friend or just feeling connected. I think as a soul trader, it's already very isolatory. And I must admit, I really do miss going in and seeing clients face to face rather than seeing them on Zoom or mm. on a telephone line. Mm. And I think, you know, initially it was sort of convenient and a nice change of pace but now I agree with you I think there's a certain energy you can get from meeting people face to face that you know we we are missing day to day yeah we we're humans we're designed to be connected and a lot of people who like myself in some ways my business is so extroverted that I am actually naturally an introvert but I sort of have that that flip side to me but I'm actually missing especially meeting new clients actually not having it be um, on a zoom call but actually being able to press the flesh have a little chat and have it not feel quite so structured. So I think in your personal life, take care of your health, take care of your mental health and your well-being. Um, even not feeling guilty about having, you know, nights where you might, if you've got deadlines, you just switch off and you go, I'll get up tomorrow morning earlier and I'll get this thing done, but I'm going to watch this movie with my family. Just yeah. staying connected to the people that you care about is really important as well. I think that's such a vital point. I mean, we know from research that we did earlier this year with our Flying Solo audience that, your you know your relationships are the first to kind of take the hit when things are too stressful for obvious reasons because you shut down and you stop communicating and all of those Absolutely. things so yeah it's good to be flexible so i guess that flexibility is a is a mindset and that was the next thing that i wanted to talk about in in terms of managing our response to chaos in terms of mindset do you think that we should be aiming day to day to sort of really control what we're able to control um, or are there certain aspects of our business lives like the finances for instance that we should be giving a, a greater focus to look i think we've all got to pay the bills don't we so i would I, and i'm one of those people too even though i've got so obviously savings and an established business, it's just the expectation of what your cash flow you thought was going to be at the beginning of the year versus where we are now. And we've obviously just started a new financial year as well. So people are probably projecting decreased sales or opportunities based on where we sit now. I do think there is a need to keep kind of flexing that muscle, to keep hustling, as I say. And look, I have spent a lot of time putting in, uh, in, in thought into what the next year might look like if we keep being in a semi-lockdown situation and how I can evolve my business and still make sure that uh, if the cash flow doesn't take a hit for the next 12 months. So an example of that would be like doing some introductory online training, but actually adding on to that as well and maybe doing it online courses that I can package and sell one to many so that my energy levels maintain themselves. But then I've got multiple income streams, which I think is the one thing which I had never thought about 13 years ago, about five years into my business, really realised I needed books, I needed other things which basically could make me money in my sleep to mm. keep going. Mm, absolutely. Um, I did an interesting interview um, earlier today, actually, with the head of finance for MIOB, and she was suggesting that one of the ways that we can sort of navigate the financial uncertainty is to break down our financial planning into lots of smaller chunks. And I think that that's something that can be applied to all aspects of business right now. But she was saying, you know, whereas before at this time of the year, we might plan be planning for the next 12 months. She's suggesting that we just try and focus on the next three and then review that and then the next three again and review that. So it's about, you know, adapting our 
you know, our approach to our processes as much as our processes themselves. I agree. And I think that 90 day block is quite manageable, even any, in any small business, even when we're not in a crisis or a pandemic, I think things can shift and change. And you were mentioning cycles before. So I know my business is a nine month a year business when it's at the best of times. Nobody does training between sort of December and February inclusive. So I know for nine months, I really have to make the bulk of my income. Mm, yeah, it's, yeah, so it's an important aspect of the planning process. It so, is, so that planning, yeah, chunking it down and even chunking it down, I think weekly at the moment is yeah. probably realistic as well. Absolutely. And I also think that's probably dependent again on how established your business is. So if you're in the earlier stages of business, that's going to be more of a complex, probably puzzle. To you because you don't have that as much data as someone like you who's been in the business for you know 10 years or so to reflect on the patterns um now one of the most interesting things i think about what you've done is that you've had you were given basically a front row seat to the royal commission into the banking industry which is basically like watching you know some of the higher echelons of our society in crisis well it's basically that I was wondering what if you thought there was much difference in the core lessons of how you know institutions handle crises compared to our sole trader level. I think the key difference is you know a crisis demands attention when it's made public. So if you've lost your job and you're not a high profile person or you've done the wrong thing or you've suddenly had a fall from grace like many people did who are heading up, say, the big four banks or some of our other institutions in the banking and finance sector during the past few years, it was on the front page of the AFR or, you know, the newspapers and it was headlines and it was turned into books and podcasts and every aspect of their life was, was investigated. Most of us, when we're going through a crisis, it's only our immediate circle that perhaps knows about it. So I think we have a bit more uh, coverage, if you like, away from the spotlight. But I think sole traders can learn from those that are like kind of bigger and more well-known and I guess more financially savvy is that one of the things I think that the Royal Commission highlighted that didn't happen is, and this probably leads back to what I was working on, is the idea that you have to communicate early when there's something wrong. You've got to be open to admit that you've, you've had something go wrong or you've done something wrong or people didn't make the best choices. You then have to go public with it make amends and always be accountable. And I think there's aspects of that that sole traders can do if, if, for example, they're working with a client and they've made a promise that they just can't deliver on. Be early in communicating why and letting the client know what you're going to do better next time or how, how you can repair that relationship. It's mm, a great point. I mean, it comes down to that, you know, managing expectations, which is such an important part of a small business model, isn't it? You know, being Absolutely. And, and being honest, like things happen. If you've got like a child that something's in hospital or you're unwell, being able to say to the client or, you know, to your customers, this is going to be a slight delay. And this is the reasonable reason why most people will accept that if you don't answer the phone, you don't do the emails and you leave it to an hour before the deadline <laughs> of delivery, then you're more likely to have an irreparable relationship and your reputation will take more of a hit. Absolutely. Actually, I think that's one of the most delightful things that has come out of COVID in terms of communication at lots of levels is that it's kind of been okay to say, oh my goodness, you know, I've set up this meeting on Zoom or whatever it is and the technology's gone crazy and I'm not sure I can meet that or just being very honest about, you know, perhaps you're feeling unwell or you're anxious or whatever it is. It's given us sort of like 
an open invitation to be a bit more okay with things not being perfect. And I think the um, the rewards to small business of that will actually, you know, keep unfolding as time goes on. Hopefully, we'll all stick to it in some to some degree. Absolutely, there has to be a positive at, in the middle of all of this. I'm sure. Absolutely. So a lot of our small business community have tackled COVID with either an entirely new business or a decision to wind up business altogether and go back to employment, or in some cases, just keep going. But I don't think anyone's like stuck to the same thing. I was wondering, has this crisis inspired a change in, in your approach to business in any way? Well, interestingly, up until a few months ago, I actually had some time out of my business. So it was really a couple of years that I was working in-house for your big clients like AMP and Water New South Wales and the government and Sydney Water. So my business kind of was the, my side hustle for a bit and I was subcontracting workouts. So I think there's no shame in actually taking a break and pressing pause. And if you need to go and earn some money doing what you used to do before or what you need to do, and using this time to regroup, I, I would definitely encourage people to do that. I sort of did it for other reasons because I had just great opportunities and I also wanted to flex my muscles again in, in, the, in the big end of town. But I think what this has allowed me to do in the past few months when it has been quieter, I've actually been investing in my own education, doing more of your free webinars and some great courses and, and things that you can listen to different experts that I would never have time to listen to normally when I'm sort of, you know, fall to the pedal to the metal and just uh, delivering all day and then doing the kid thing at night. So I found this a really great chance to sit back, to connect with new people, you know, come up with some new ideas with some other small business owners as well, because it's a very lonely life sometimes being a sole trader. Mm -hmm. At the moment, it can be particularly lonely because everyone's in the same boat and, um, you know, your tanks are quite empty when it comes to energy levels when you are you know, not sure where, how you're going to pay the bills or how your business is going to land um, after all those years of work. So it's really important to maybe upskill. And I know that sounds, um, you know, really cliche. And I at first was like, well, I'm not going to have time to do an MBA. I'm homeschooling at the same time. Let's be realistic. <laughs> wow. Um, but doing little short, sharp things and just even reading some books that I hadn't thought, you know, I'd have time to read. And I think it's opening up your mind to the possibility of you can be more than what you're doing now as well. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm starting to, to marinate. But you can only do that when you're not in that flight, right, sort of reaction and feeling like you should be doing something else every minute of the day, which I think in the beginning we all felt, you know, I should be getting more work or I should be calling more clients or, you know, should be doing something else. So take the should out of it and work out every week what are the few things that you can do that are going to um, fill your tank again and also give you energy for what's next. I think that's fantastic advice, sensational advice. We should all take a bit of that on board, I think. Um, Amber, where is it that we should go if you want to find a bit more about you and your business and what you do? Absolutely. So uh, amberdanes.com, so A-M-B-E-R-D-A-I-N-E-S.com is my platform where you can find all my bits and pieces about what I do and some videos and, and my products and services. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Check it out. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and all the other social media platforms as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great. Thanks for your time.